ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of King of the Ride podcast, episode number 30. Folks, that's a milestone. Thanks for listening along and being part of this ride. I am Ted King. I'm your host today and always, although this this is something of a fun one. Let's set the scene. Last month, I was out at Land Run 100. That's where we recorded the previous episode with Dirty Kanza Promotions co-owner Christy Moan. This was my first land run, and it was a hoot. More to the point, Bobby Wintle is our guest on today's show. Bobby Wintle is the creator of Land Run 100, which is a race that has been pinging on my radar one heck of a lot in the past 18 months. And I think as of this year, it might be taking the title of the second biggest gravel race that exists. I welcome your feedback, if that is incorrect, but we're going to go with it for now. More impressively is the speed with which Bobby has built this event. Now, please ignore the jumping around of dates as I grill Bobby about the order of operations as he's built Land Run. Just visit LandRun100.com and you'll get all those important details. Bobby's story is fascinating. Now, look, he wasn't raised with bikes. He wasn't even part of retail. He was just a kid trying to be a rock star, literally. And maybe it's those cues in marketing, his band, that allowed him to build this empire in Oklahoma that is Land Run and his absolutely stunning bike shop, District Bicycles. If you want stories, Bobby has stories. And to that point, between the two of us, we didn't know who was going to actually be interviewing who. This is the first ever King of the Ride podcast that took place over the phone rather than live and in person. So uh, we tried to find time during Land Run itself, but that is one heck of a busy weekend. So then we decided to take the time to chat over the phone. And right from the get-go in this episode, I steered my questions to him and Bobby. I just let him spin a yarn. So please, please enjoy Bobby's stories. Let's see what else is going on. Um, I am here in Hanover, New Hampshire. We are, we are one week into a two-week program at Dartmouth's Tuck School of Business Next Step program. This is a two-week immersive Highly comprehensive program for current or former professional athletes and current or former military personnel, as we are segueing from one line of profession to another. There are 70 people in our class here, truly from all walks of life. There are extremely high number of Olympians. There's a high number of Olympic medalists. There are a lot of gold medalists in our class. There are world champions. There are Green Berets, Navy SEALs, and there are people who literally can't tell us what they did in their previous line of work. Or I might have to kill you. It's uh, it's not always. In fact, it's rarely an easy segue from these two professions, from sports and military to the real world. But there are certain characteristics intrinsic to these professions. For example, being very detail-oriented, having very astute situational awareness, often being in leadership roles, being adaptive, being able to operate uh, probably constantly through through high elements of teamwork, so it's here that we were learning about leadership, communication. We're taking classes in finance, visioning, entrepreneurship, etc., and see where we can segue those skills. Very fun time here. I've uh, I've got a couple podcasts lined up with some of our classmates, so stay tuned for that. What else? Let's see. Don't forget, rooted Vermont. Laura and I are thrilled to showcase our homeland, our home roads, our Vermont homestead. Check out all things rooted Vermont on social media. One word, and of course, rootedvermont.com. R-O-O-T-E-D-V-E-R-M-O-N-T.com. Folks, spots are fleeting. We are nearly sold out. So if it's on your summer to-do list, it's worth signing up now so that you do not miss out. We are thrilled for this opportunity to share our connections 
of our tight-knit community in New England to the greater cycling community. August 3rd and 4th, it's going to be awesome. And lastly, I want to say thank you to Icor for presenting this episode of King of the Ride Pod. Icor is a clean, natural source of recovery-enhancing hemp extract. They design their products with athletes in mind, and their goal is to protect your body from the stresses of training, improve recovery from intense efforts, and maintain a positive mental state. You can experience meaningful improvements in your well-being through small lifestyle changes, which is why I appreciate the benefits of sleep, really great quality sleep, relaxation, and mindfulness. So look, I'm a pretty relaxed guy, but I enjoy it. I think you will enjoy it too. Both Icor and I want to help you try a bottle. Head over to icorlabs.com, I-K-O-R-L-A-B-S.com, and save 15% by using the code KINGOFTHERIDE, all one word, at checkout. That is it for me. Ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy this conversation with Bobby Wintle. Morning. Good morning. So what's what's the weather like? Oh my, Um, I'm taking the day off today, but not because of the weather. I went for a pretty smashing ride yesterday, and uh, what do we got? My wife just went out the door with one of her friends to go for a ride. Oh, sweet. She was stoked because it's like 42 and overcast. Uh, we're in we're in a we're in a pretty solid week of of good weather. Um, it's the first week we've had like consistently over 40s, dipping into some 50s uh, or tipping into 50s. So we got yes. we got good stuff. What about you? What's going on in Oklahoma, dude? It's thunderstorms when i woke up which was quite romantic and wonderful and uh <laughs> no it's just cloudy now it's not raining anymore but it's super cloudy the winds yesterday were crazy like 50 miles an hour or something yeah. crazy like that yeah uh but no it's all it's all calm now in the the bike right shops on. just you know like i was telling you yesterday is full of uh ridiculous work orders to, to get going so after this yeah. that's, that's what i'm gonna go do is go work on a nice. bunch of like Walmart bikes or hybrids. It's gonna be it's gonna be great. Sick. Yeah, man. What uh, what? Well, two things. One, what is? I want to say like let me let me take a stab at what I picture the weather to be like this time of year in Oklahoma, and then you take a stab at what I what you might think it's gonna be like in in Vermont this time. Of okay, year. great. So, timestamp. It is March 29th. Um, I went to. Stillwater for for what marks my first time doing land run what a week ago week and a half ago mm-hmm. I was expecting prairie hot blasting wind wide open exposure um, I had a so right I get a little bit of a, a cheating answer because I have experienced this given one one weekend of uh, time in Oklahoma um, I was surprised how chilly it was. Um, the air was incredibly crisp, so the complete lack of humidity was kind of nice. Yeah, that was um, that was really surprising. Yeah. Okay. So was that typical, or is that a atypical period? We get we get the shortest spring and the shortest fall, and everything huh. in between is either like you know pretty cold and and still wet and humid, or or blazing hot, like crazy hot in the summertime. So yeah. we get you you got like the sweetest moment of spring when you were here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's hilarious. Cuz meanwhile in Vermont we got like well actually no. Okay. Now okay, you take no, your no, step. Yeah. <clears throat> so take your step. So Vermont 
I'm thinking immediately, I think just absolutely beautiful rolling landscape with, with rocks and probably, you know, little local pastry wagons up and down each and every street and (laughs) (laughs) children, children selling espresso that they made themselves. And Uh (laughs) no, I, is is it cold? I mean, I figured it's still pretty cold up there and, and, it it doesn't break like it does here. You know, we've had days in January and February where it was like, you know, it, we hit the sixties again a few times. And, and, uh, but I feel like you guys are just, you're begging for, uh, like the, the, the winter to break and just to have yeah. some spring. That's what I figure is going on up there. Yes. Nailed it. So we got that like anticipation of the next season. So if it's the fall, you get like the early crisp, uh, the colors are changing in the fall. It's still hot. You get Indian summer. And then by late fall, you're like jonesing for winter. And the first snow is super exciting. But that's still technically fall when you have sort of late fall, early winter weather. Similarly, when the when the calendar ticks over and it says that it's technically spring, we're like, where the heck is this summer? Where is 75 and, and yes. sunny? I mean... It snowed. It has snowed. We're going to get more snow, I'm sure. Uh, so spring does not break for a long time. So that, much like you said, you very short shoulder seasons, spring and fall, we get incredibly long shoulder seasons. But it's a stunning spot. You hit everything else in the head. Norman Rockwell painted this state. Uh, there's there's literally a child knocking on my door right now trying to sell me an espresso. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, uh, I'll take a, I'll take a clock. I'll take a clock. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> well, um, and then I wanted to take it to another direction real quick. So yeah, please, like you said, you're, you're, you got a crap ton of bikes to go work on right now. What is the lead up in Stillwater, um, among the local town folk, as opposed to the folks who drive in and travel in for land run? Like how busy are you, uh, uh, you know, with, with locals versus out of towners? So that is, that's a great question in the past, in the past with a good winter, like a dry one, which we didn't have. And if, if anybody didn't realize it, I mean, it, this has been the wettest summer, fall, and, and winter since we moved to town here seven years ago. I mean, insane amount of precipitation. And, you know, we were all really, man, we were, we were pretty, we were worried. You know, for the first time, mm-hmm. I got kuats that were all four bike for the Jeeps instead of just <laughs> like two and three bikes. Because I just, yeah, yeah. I thought, man, we need to prepare for the worst. Uh-huh. For sure. And, and so the lead up, usually we see people from all over, you know, Oklahoma city, sometimes even Dallas, uh, Tulsa, Wichita, Emporia coming down for the group rides on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And we, we just didn't see that the group rides on Saturday, the longer ones that were really the lead up to the hundred mile that, um, Seth Wood at the shop always puts on every year. <clears throat> he mm-hmm. does a, you know, cascading difficulty and distance level on Saturdays. And then just this year for the first time started that Sunday beginner only ride and hmm. it was a lead up to the 50 mile. And, yep. and man, um, that, that one though, I mean, we'll get to that one, but it was a resounding success and it's still happening. We're not going to let that one go away. This has been nice. way too much fun. We've seen people do things on a bike that they just never thought they could do. And then most of them that were regulars out of, you know, 30 to 50 people at times on Sunday at two o'clock, all came in and finished the 50 miler, which was, man, it was just sweet. It was so sweet, but the, awesome. the buzz is, is crazy. You know, I, I, I'm so torn now because of being the race director, but then also still doing, you know, custom builds at the shop or just working the floor or, you know, working on work orders or whatever with everyone. But 
my my focus gets split into it's like i'm just getting uh-huh. ripped on both sides so yeah you know we see we just see everyone coming in and just start the the itch you know like they know it's coming they know everyone is paying attention to town they know that you know for the first time ever this year, you know, Ted, you're coming and we had other pros on the docket and we've got cyclocross magazine doing a, a who's who lead up to who's on the roster on bikeredge.com for land run, which we'd never had before. So mm-hmm. I felt like this year for the first time, people actually kind of gave us a little space locally because they were feeling all of this excitement and pressure more so than ever before. And that was, that was interesting, really yeah. interesting. But, huh. but, but yeah, man, I mean, the, the lead up is, is wild. And then, um, the, for the first time too, we partnered with bike flights. And so we had tons of bikes shipped from all over the country that we yeah. built or, or just held in place. And that was really cool. We're, we might need that a is my, warehouse for that next time. Yeah. That's my biggest uh, complaint about being my own mechanic is, uh, <laughs> the amount of travel that I do with a bike and having to pack it up and unpack it. And so yeah, shipping it ahead of time. That was one thing I did afterwards. In fact, yeah. independent of. I mean, I ended up doing it through bike flights. I did not know that you guys had partnered with them, so hats off to you for that. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, finished the race, went home, showered, cleaned the bike, boom, chucked it in FedEx, and off it went. Yeah. Um, all right, let's go through an order of operations, which which hinges on the stuff that you were just talking about. So my understanding is that you went from Oklahoma to Emporia, home of Dirty Kansas, in approximately 2011, don't interrupt in case any of this is wrong. I okay. want you to correct me afterwards. You rode DK. You bought a house there. You saw what what this this intangible value that a uh, cycling event in a downtown could have, and then you went back and started the same thing in Stillwater. So, how much truth is there to that? There, that's it's about that's about 75 percent true. So, I'm I'm All from right. I'm from Parsons, Kansas, from okay. southeast town of southeast Kansas, super small town, like 9,000 people. And yeah, dude, I was born and raised there. So, um, until I was 21 and then crystal, I was going to community college there and then crystal had already left our area, but we never Mm -hmm. met. We, we grew up, I mean, eight miles apart for 21 years and never knew each other. She went to the County high school. I went to the town high school. Long story short, she'd moved to Emporia already to go to college in 04, 03, Uh 04. And then, and then in 04 of Thanksgiving, she came home and and we met and then that was pretty much it. I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going wherever that human is going. And, yeah. uh, she didn't call me for three weeks uh-huh. <laughs> and then we dated long distance for a year and a half. And, and, uh, I was in a band and we were touring and we were all do, we were working like three jobs and Nuts. all the things, you know, like, um, we got signed to a label. We were recording, we we're trying to tour. We were trying to work full-time jobs. We were going to school at the same time. And, and then none of the guys were really ready for, um, uh, you know, a, a female to enter the van situation. And so, dude, I made the hardest decision of my life and I quit, I quit the band. And, wow. and then, um, Crystal and her dad had gotten into biking, um, gotten into cycling, uh, uh-huh. from a, from a marathon buddy in Parsons. Okay. And they were like, you got to do this, check it out. I thought, dude, I thought it was the wildest thing. But anyway, by mid 2005, I mean, she had me hooked and, uh, that was it. We just started riding on pavement, started riding on the road together yep. and, and doing all that type of stuff. So then I followed her to Emporia. You, did you, did you ride a bike at all growing up? Like as I, a kid, I did, until, Kansas? I, I did okay. until my BMX bike got stolen when I was like eight. Ooh. And then yeah. after that, yeah. I didn't, man, I played baseball forever. And then I, when I was 15, I, I became the lead singer of a punk band in high school mm-hmm. and we were terrible and wonderful all at the same time. And, uh, so the music took over. And so music well, from, 
from then on, really. Yeah, the parallels are similar. I mean, in punk bands, you got to wear super tight clothing, so yeah. you may as well right. just wear some spandex. But uh, maybe the <laughs> the color aesthetics are not the same then. Um, no, no. Nice, nice. Ha- you know, you're not really taking care of your body as well. I think when you're no in a touring band, <laughs> there is truth to that. So, so I moved there in 06, the year that DK started, but then we didn't know about it until uh, 2008, and that's when we really got involved. Oh. Okay, and then I I chatted up uh, Christy Moan. You purchased a house from her in one of her side gigs as a real estate agent, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Or she helped nice. us sell our house, actually, when we moved here. We moved okay. to, to Stillwater, and she asked us not to leave, and we tried to figure out how we could not leave Emporia uh-huh. in 2011. But uh, And what was the impetus to head down to Oklahoma? You know, we we, we were looking at Manhattan, Kansas, um, uh-huh. and in 08, Big big Poppy Cyclery opened up in Aggieville, uh, outside of, or, you know, the kind of downtown area um, at K-State. And so then when they opened, we, we just thought, okay, well, we got to switch gears. You know, we've been writing this business plan for about a year, and we really think a college town makes sense. We don't want to get too far away, but we'd go anywhere. And uh, I, I actually didn't even have the job at High Gear yet, but I finally got a job at High Gear in Emporia in 09 at the end of 09 and help them do renovations in their space where they are now on commercial street. And, and anyway, long story short, we called the Trek rep uh, and we just said, Hey, Wade, like we'll go anywhere. Where do you want to go? And, um, where do you want us to go? We want to open with Trek as, you know, kind of our primary brand. We want it to be family of, you know, family oriented, similar to what high gear was doing. And, uh, he first thing out of his mouth, Stillwater, Oklahoma. And it was wild, man. We didn't know a soul here. Not one person. That is nuts. I know. Huh. And then we started writing the business plan specifically for Stillwater. Then I got the job at the shop and just started to learn everything that we could possible. And then, uh, and, and then, what, yeah. what do you mean by, by you got a job at the shop? Did you, did you, I, I was under the impression you had started district. Yeah. Oh correct? no. Sorry. At high gear. <laughs> okay. Before we moved. Sorry. Let me back up. So in 09, so we, we talked to Wade at Trek before I even ever had a job at a bike shop. We were just, wow. we were, we were, we just kind of knew we, we had written a business plan for a coffee shop. I did it in a business class, which I'm a communication major and I'm not great at business, but I'm really great at, at people and, yeah. <laughs> and communication. <Truth>. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. And anyway, yeah, dude, the story's wild and crazy, but, um, yeah, we, we talked with Trek. We kind of had made that, that decision. And, uh, at the same time, man, we'd bought a house in Emporia and we were flipping it and doing mm-hmm. a bunch of work and I was trying to get my degree and get done with college and, and then, uh, yeah, getting, getting the job at high gear, working with Matt and Stephanie Brown, like that, that was huge, obviously. I mean, I had already started doing tons of mechanic stuff in the basement with Leland. So Leland Danes and I had become best friends at that point in time. And we're skipping school constantly to go ride mountain bike trails at camp Alexander. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) Going to pyramid pizza, rest in peace, pyramid pizza. Oh man. (laughs) So good. What's the other joint? What's the, the Kelly's pizza or what's the like, I don't Token know. P- in Emporia, everybody's like, you got to go to the, it's like the gas station that sells pizza. Oh, Casey's, Casey's. Casey's. Yeah. That's, that's like the local insider tip for people who are bonking AF yeah. <laughs> at DK. Go to Casey's. And that's okay. basically how DKXL, that, that was pretty much every single stop, except for the one, there's one gas station in Council Grove that wasn't a Casey's, but every other one on the route was a Casey's uh-huh. general store. <laughs> kept, kept us going. Outstanding. Um, yeah. So, okay. Anyway, so that's yeah. kind of how it went, man. Like I, I wasn't born and raised bikes. I wasn't born and raised retail. Um, uh-huh. and then, and then we got this tip 
from Trek that they needed someone here to have a better representation of their brand. And mm-hmm. uh, we, man, it, it's so crazy. It's a long, long, crazy story and I'll shorten it. But our landlord and our still current landlord, Corey Williams, I called him in 2010, called him and man, or actually it was January, 2011. So, I mean, this was the be- the beginning of 2011, right when we, the year we opened the shop, cause we opened in October, October 27th, 2011. And the mm-hmm. first time I called Corey, I'd found out that a building that we were trying to buy from the owners, this photography place, just a block away from where we are now was up for sale. And we, we had no collateral in Oklahoma. You know, we, we were dude, just pinching pennies trying to make things work. We just had our daughter Emery uh, in August of 2010. And so, I mean, life was just insane. And first time I call Corey, Corey answers the phone and he's like, Hey man, I'm, I'm buying that building from, from the photography business from that family. And I don't even have the property for two weeks. I've already had six different business offers on the table and I hate all of them except for yours. <laughs> and that, that was, awesome. it was wild. And then in June, I emailed him one time and told him that we were, wasn't working out. The house wasn't going to be done, that we didn't think we were going to make it. And then I, he emailed me back and said, you need to figure it out. This town needs a bike shop so bad. And I love your, I love everything you guys are talking about and the community oriented aspect of what you want to do. And downtown needs it. Mm-hmm. And I emailed him back and I said, okay. And then dude, in, in, in less than 24 hours, we, in September, on September 1st, we packed up the U-Haul, got in the, got in the thing, drove down here. And then Christy called me that evening and we'd sold the house mm-hmm. for like $4,000 less than what we had asked for it. Man. It was wild. Boom, boom, boom. Boom. Uh, this, this does remind me of my podcast with Christy Moan, who also, uh, she goes at a million miles an hour. And when she was opening uh, a shop, she was also doing a thousand other things at a million miles an hour. Definitely a, a worthy podcast. The similarities here are strong. It, I love uh, I love her. I love the moans. Yeah. I love Emporia, man. I'm, I miss that town sometimes a lot. It's, I mean, even even like the similarities to to Tim Moan being in a rock band. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you guys are twins. He's uh, amazing. Okay, so then... If you can't leave well enough alone opening a bike shop, at what point do you say, you know, like we've seen this thing up there at DK up in Emporia. We want to create something similar here. Yes. Um, um, yes. And then not only that, but like have the good, the, the, the wherewithal to do it um, as a way to build community in this magnet for, for cyclists far and wide. Um, but to do it in such an amicable way with, with the Dirty Kanza uh, productions of people. They so, are very gracious about the yeah. idea. So before we move town, I, I just said straight up, look at all these people coming from Texas, just in general at that time, you know, that was yeah. 2010. So we're what, like four years into DK. And I'm like, look at all these people coming from Texas, look, coming from Nebraska, from Missouri, from Arkansas, mm-hmm. not a lot of people coming from Oklahoma at that time, not a lot of Oklahomans, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but I was just like, there's nothing in the spring to keep these people. I mean, this is 200 miles in one day at that time. You know, I, I, I hadn't even ridden a century in one day. And, and we'd been riding for, you know, like four years at that time and five years. And so in my mind, you know, DK was still completely unattainable. And I thought, man, there's gotta be tons of people like me that need something in the spring. And if we're moving down South, like this is a perfect connection. So we need to pick something early in the spring, even though the weather is going to be dicey. And when we get to Stillwater, let's just check the roads out and see what happens. And, um, I've got another, I've got a podcast, um, just a, a, maybe not the last one, but the one I did before and I haven't done very many. And, but, uh, it was with, 
it was with Adam Gribben and Adam Gribben was the first guy to ever show up at a group ride with me on a Tuesday morning. We did a Tuesday morning paved only ride and we'd go nice. to breakfast. Yeah. Cause I, I, man, after we'd opened the shop, I had no time, like no time. I mean, Emery, uh-huh. my daughter, she never slept. It was terrible. Like this whole story of waking up every night at three in the morning and driving around until she fell asleep. And then finally, man, I, I headed West on out of town and took this left-hand turn and dude, the, the, the deepest, reddest, like wildest road I've ever seen, which was Cottonwood road out by, um, going towards the Southwest, all the Hills that you guys hit on the last bit of the race this year. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, when I yeah, saw yeah. it, I was just like, Oh, Oh, what's happening. And then the rest is history, man. We realized as soon as we got out to explore that no one in town were riding these roads. And if they were, they weren't talking about it. Yeah. That's the, the craziest part. I feel like there's sort of this untapped potential virtually anywhere you are. I mean, I got, I grew, uh, I got, got into cycling here in Vermont. Um, I was in college. It was early two thousands and I, I, I knew gravel roads existed, but, but they were sort of in my subconscious because we didn't ride them. Um, right. It's not until it takes that impetus of, of starting to explore that all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, this is a land, a gold mine out here. In your case, a red gold mine. <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, what a, are you immediately tapping the shoulder of, of Christy and Leland and Jim and saying, Hey, we got something super cool here too. Yes. Um, oh, thank you for, yeah. Thanks for reining that back in. That that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly it. So of course, from the, the musician side of things, I, I direct, I immediately started thinking about, Oh, like what, what's in a name? Like what, what could the name be? Yeah. What's the branding look like? And we have to start there. Like, I know the roads are great. We'll fi- we're going to figure out a course. Obviously we're working on that. We're riding them, but mm-hmm. the, the marketing side was insanely important to me. And, um, I think I'm just going to go ahead and do this now because I've been trying to figure out what platform to, to do this. And I guess this is no better one than this. And we don't have to get super deep into it, but I don't know if you saw the Radivist article from Sarah Swallow and Mike Werner had the photos on it, but, um, they posted that a couple days ago. And this is the second time that the Radivist and John, John Watson last year, after he was here, wrote a very similar story about the name and where uh-huh. the name Land Run comes from and the connotations and the weight and the heaviness that is behind it. 100%. So, um, yeah, Laura and I put enormous emphasis on that for our event, uh, right. which I would love to talk to you in shortly, but oh, not to no, drop. Keep going. Great. I'm in no. front of a computer right now, so I'm looking up that Radivist article. So yeah, yeah, pull it up. And and um, so if anyone d- doesn't know what the Radivist.com is, you should head there right now. Mm-hmm. It's wonderful. It's, mm-hmm. it's basically the authority on anything that's cool in the world of cycling. So John and, <laughs> and Jared and Kyle and everybody that, that, uh, does all the work there. Thank you guys, man. Thank you guys for being my friends first and foremost, and for being here, but also for, for shedding a light on what, what's going on and, and, the the intention behind the, the name land run 100 and the true story of how I came up with the name. Nice. So I moved here from Emporia. I did not know a soul in this town. I'm not from Oklahoma. I've kind of made fun of Oklahoma as a Kansan my whole entire life, just like, you know, <laughs> Texas, Kansas, the whole thing. Right. Uh-huh. And I never thought I'd live in Oklahoma. Never. <clears throat> so we're surrounded in Stillwater by signs that, you know, say, you know, the Oklahoma land run created this town. It started just outside of town. This is where Oklahoma began, you know, 1889, 
all these people lined up and there, there were these, these, these unassigned lands and they were free for the taking. And these people just went for it and staked their ground. And so towns like Stillwater and Guthrie and Oklahoma city were literally formed in 24 hours. And, wow. and so the truth behind all of this is that there were people here from the trail of tears, native tribes that were pushed into this area. And then all of now because of the land run, they're, they're, their homes, their property, their land was, was stolen from them. There's no other way to look at this. Mm-hmm. And so the name is, is absolutely polarizing. And people are, are wondering and asking the question if I'm celebrating the fact that the land run happened. And the answer is absolutely not. I mm-hmm. actually, when I picked the name, and this is what I've been wanting to say publicly for a long time, I had no idea what the actual land run was and how it affected people. I took it from a standpoint of this sounds good. I know that this area was created because of it. These roads harken back to a time in the 1800s or 1700s or whatever, like such a long time ago, you feel like you're just transported back into a time that is, is so old and so raw and, and it's just so purely this area. And so I picked the name because it it was telling a story of where we came from and what came before us and not because I was glad that it happened. So then we could now have this event on the route on the roads. So I, I truly from an ignorant standpoint had no idea the significance of the historical reference of, of the name. And that's, that is negligent. I will say that I just didn't know but I will, and I will say this, that, you know, people have been a little bit upset and there's been some backlash and there's been some conversation of, should we change the name? Um, should, should we, what are we doing to acknowledge the fact that this is going on and are we celebrating it? And so hmm. I, I'm, I'm not, I, so Ted, I apologize. I'm not trying to make this political. <laughs> no, this is outstanding. I mean, to, to, I'm just sort of a naive New Englander who. See, didn't... naive, that's the word. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, right. It's not an overt in your face. Hey, clowns, look at this kick-ass thing we're going to do on and, and poke fun of a bygone era. Right, uh, I mean, right. to be perfectly honest, without this conversation right this very second, I wouldn't even be aware of it. I've heard of the Trail of Tears. I'm vaguely familiar with it. Uh, right. So shoot. I mean, I think if anything, you're going to spawn more interest as opposed to, I don't know. I mean, you can't please all the people all the time. And we there can't. are plenty of people who are going to get pissed about all sorts of stuff. Well, okay. Let's celebrate the name because I think it's awesome. Among other things that you do in this hundred mile crazy bike race, you guys have a run. We do. So we do. I mean, no, no better name. No Uh, better name. (laughs) Yeah. I think. Oh man. I correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, go ahead. 2013. 2013 is the first ride. Yep. Only a hundred miles. Only a mere hundred miles. Um, and then some crazy dude wants to run it the next year to, to was it, um, it was 20, Man, I always get this mixed up. He didn't run it the next year. He ran it. He ran it twenty fifteen, I believe, was the first time he de- he tried to run it. And it's, it's was he the, the sole? He's the sole uh, uh, nutcase who wants to go run a hundred miles by yes. himself. Yes, and okay. Arthur, cra- he's crazy, man. He's yeah. incredible. And he, what Arthur did was connect all of these other endurance athletes together. Uh-huh. in town that were already here that weren't cyclists and, and brought an awareness to the fact that 
like, hey, we, we actually have all of these people, but there's just no place for them to call home. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what happened with district with all the cyclists. But then Arthur did it single-handedly by r- attempting it that first year, not making it. And then the, the next year, 2020, 20, um, yeah, it was 2014 because 2015, let's see, because we've done the double three times now and we've okay. done the 50K four times. So 2014, 15, 16, 17. Okay. Oh man, I'm so off on my years. No, it was, it was 2015. It was 2015 Whoa. and then 2016, he actually finished it. And then Got the first it. double was 2017. That's right. Because then we decided to add the double in in 2017. Man, I need, I need notes. I apologize to all well, the listeners. No, 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 not at all. I mean, you, you've got a great website, so I'm sure people can, if they really need to nerd out and know these dates verbatim, right. they can go to the website and check it out. Uh, so, okay. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is, there is no, there's no more hundred mile run or is there? No, no. And there never okay. has been. So Arthur okay. came to me, came to me personally and just said, I want to do this. And of course, everyone in the crew was, was apprehensive, but also stoked. And we just said, man, like if you're doing this, mm-hmm. you have to have your own support crew. Like, you know, we're not doing yeah. anything <laughs> at all. Like we're not coming to get you. We're not doing it at all. And he said, oh dude, absolutely. I, I totally get it. And he said, you know, yeah. I fin- finally for once, there's a group of people in, in my hometown. He was born and raised in Stillwater that are as crazy as I am and understand okay what I want to do. And also, man, long story short with Arthur, I mean, he's dude, he had lost almost 200 pounds at that point already. And if you saw him, you would still think, man, that guy's going to run a hundred miles. Like he's a, he's a, he's a, a bigger dude. Uh-huh. And, and, but he was upwards of like almost, you know, over three, three fifty. I mean, he was a big guy wow. and, and, um, but he had, he had just run himself into a new human. Mm-hmm. And so really? then, yeah, that was the platform. And man, I'll never forget it. We were in the, we had just moved into the new shop Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, we, we, sh- we sent him off the, on Friday night at like six or seven o'clock at night. And he, and he went and <laughs> went for it. It was wild. Oh my Lord. <clears throat> when he finally finished the second year, when he finally got it done 2016, when he finally got it done 2016 or no, no, I'm sorry. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever year it was, doesn't matter. Uh-huh. We stretched a big roll of toilet paper across the, the street because the city had uh, requested us to have all the streets open by 11 PM that, that particular year. And so we stretched all this toilet paper across and wrapped them in it and had PBRs and we were just going wild in the street, even though the streets were back open. And the first thing Arthur said to me was, I want to, I want to race people. I want to race people next year. And I said, well, dude, I'm not doing a hundred mile run. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I'm not going to do that. So then we did, we decided to do the 50 K and, and yeah, so we've got the 50 K. And then of course, after the 50 K we had people saying, I want to do both. You know, yeah. Leadville's got the lead man that they do the, the hundred mile run the, the weekend before. And then they do the hundred mile bike race, which is absolutely insane, dude. That's insane. Sure. And cool so then we yeah. decided, okay, let's, let's do it. And we'll just split it up on Friday and Saturday. And then one of the first people that came to do the first double was Rita jet from specialized, which was so sick. Okay. No, I'm dead yeah. serious. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Ken Avery from Vitoria that, that year, 2017, the super cold, terrible, terrible year. Uh, Ken brought in, um, a bunch of people from bicycling and Velo news and, and, uh, dirt rag. Mike was here from dirt rag and, and then through the bicycling connection, Rita found out and showed up and I was just like, you just got done riding the length of Sweden with Eric Nolan. And now you're at the coffee shop across the street from (laughs) district bicycles. And she's like, what, what kind of coffee does crystal like? 
And I was like, yeah. oh, she, you know, and it, she's the nicest human. Have you, have you met Rita? Uh, I have not. Uh, my wife is, is acquainted with her and knows that she's an amazing human being. She's yet to have the pleasure. Nice. Yeah. So very cool, man. Like we give people the opportunity to do things that are outrageous, like, like, mm-hmm. like the DKXL, like letting somebody run a hundred miles on the course and sure. And dude, they'll, they'll do it. They'll, they'll do it. And so then, then we've had someone either ask me or actually attempt to run the entire hundred mile with their own support crew every year, except for one since Arthur started. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's last year, our friend Ryan, a local guy, Ryan here in town attempted and he made it about 60 miles Yeah, and it just crushed his soul. And I, and sure. he's still running and he's still here in town. He's an awesome dude. And then this year was, I'm, I'm sure you, you saw some of the posts that we put up and the guys on the, at salsa, let him sit on the Shea lounge when he hit it at yeah, mile 80. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, awesome. So Pete Ippoliti got it done, man. 27 hours, 11 minutes. Oh, man. As a non-runner, I can't think of anything worse, but Me runners love that shit. So. I know. Okay. Um, as a people person, self-described, um, at some point, maybe from the very get-go, hugging every single person who finishes land run is your is your signature. It's where abs- the heck does that come from? It, it okay. So year one, yeah. we had we had thirty mile an hour winds out of the south, and the course yeah. of affectionately headed east, the same direction you guys went on nineteenth. Like we hadn't actually been on that road since year two. Okay. Um, going that direction anyway. And so we sent everyone out and then they were heading south to Kearney and Kearney is about 12 miles south of Perkins. So okay. this 60, it was 60 miles to the checkpoint at that, that year and, and then like 107 miles total. And, and I actually, it's the only year that I've been able to go to the halfway point. And so mm-hmm. I went, I went down and people do people were just the, the wind was soul crushing. Like you said, you expected prairie <laughs> wind. It was yeah. overcast. And so this man, oh man, this is so much fun. I mean, everyone was crushed coming yeah. into the checkpoint. People were, I had to call an ambulance for a guy because he was so, he was so dehydrated. I've actually had to call an ambulance for Brian twice, once there. And then once a couple years later at the finish line, because he was so dehydrated, same guy. Love it. <laughs> He's also finished since then. And I didn't have to call anyone. So that was good. But yeah, yeah. anyway, everyone was banking on this tailwind to just blow them all the way back into town. Mm-hmm. But what was happening is that this line of thunderstorms was coming, this real thin, skinny Midwest, just, just, you know, the, the, the classic super long, skinny set of yeah. storms with little micro micro cells in it. And, and once it hit the corner, the very South west corner of the of the the race at triple xxx road so you hit triple xxx road this year and i make sure it's on the course as many times as possible because if if it is bad dude it's it's eight, <laughs> it's eight miles of walking like no no there's no other way around it there's no rock out there and so that was a road you kind of descended down and then you hit pavement and went across the bridge and then you hit the vittoria oasis yep so triple yep, xxx yep, yep. road is that that northbound and so that was the same direction we did it that year one and 14 people made it past before it started no raining. Oh, uh, and then the peanut butter mud came oh, out. Oh man, man. And buckets. we didn't have the Jeep club that year. Okay. So 
we just went into full on triage mode. We were like, who has a four, who has a truck with four wheel drive? Who has an all wheel drive vehicle with a bike rack? Who can go get people? Cause you know, we had mm-hmm. 121 people out there and mm-hmm. they were just calling in to the bike shop and we was, cause we didn't, we didn't have the Jeep club number. We didn't have any of that stuff yet. Cause we didn't realize <laughs> how bad this could possibly be. Mm-hmm. And, um, then when that line of storms hit, the wind completely died. So it was crushing mud and no tailwind for pretty much everyone. Man. Yeah. <laughs> Brutal. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, we had, I described it as like one ten thousandth of the course was super muddy this year. That peanut butter mud that, that yeah. you ride through and it's already getting stuck in, in, you know, every inch every square millimeter of your uh of the rubber on your tires and then it started to go in your drivetrain and clearance becomes an issue but like i said a ten thousandth of the course it was a handful of hundred yard sections and that's it thanks to some thanks to some uh higher temperatures and blustery winds later in the week because wednesday of that week like you guys got nuked with storms dude almost two inches of rainfall yeah and even that i'm like whoo like yep Okay, I get this. It's, uh, it, it could have gotten serious. Sure, brutal. Um, have you have you ever run the race? Have like have you ridden? You've never oh, been able to. You asked me about the hooks. Dang. Okay, that's where oh, that's yeah, where the story was that. going. Sorry, that's where that story yeah, was yeah, going. Yeah. I knew I I okay. got off track. Um, so as as people were coming in, Austin Morris was 15 years old at the time, and he ended up on the Panaracer team and won again when he was 18. But he awesome. won the race at 15 years old on a Cannondale scalpel, full Jeez. suspension mountain bike. I mean, okay. I don't know how he did it, man. He, he was, you know, flat bar, full chest into the wind all by himself, bridged that this huge awesome. gap. And then, he, and then he missed the final turn. So that turn that you guys came around the corner, Austin missed it. And we had a volunteer down, like screaming and yelling and running down there to get him. And because <laughs> Trey, Trey Harrison from the Chamois Butter team from... Wichita, Kansas was right by, I mean, minutes behind, like not very far behind him. And so we were worried that he was going to lose to Trey. And, uh, but anyway, we got him in, he won. And I, I, I just was overwhelmed. I was like, this is number one. Can't believe that the race that we've been talking about for the last three years before we even lived in this town is, is happening. We've got the mm-hmm. street shut down. The bike shop district wasn't even over here. We were around the corner of that other building I was talking about earlier. So we were on main and dude, we shut the shop down because we didn't have enough people to, to do the race and have the shop open, which is outrageous in my head to think now, because that is obviously the biggest weekend of the year for us by far yeah. and above. So yeah, yeah we yeah. had the shop closed and, and I'm standing in the street all by myself with a megaphone because we didn't have a PA and I'm just screaming at everyone and mm-hmm. I just hugged them. And then every person that came in, the next 14 people, 13 people, I just, just hugged every one of them. Cause I was so pumped that they made it through the course that, that Adam and I had put together. And, mm-hmm. and then we get the call that everyone's getting smashed on the roads. And then sure. that, that was it. At the end of it, everyone looked at me and they were like, man, you realize that like you hugged every single person that crossed the finish line. You're going to have to do that probably every year. And I was like, mm-hmm. I'm totally in. I think mm-hmm. that they all deserve it. Number one. And number two, like, I just, I don't know, man, I guess I'm just a huggy individual. Yeah. 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 Nice. So have you, as the race promoter, you've never been able to participate in your own event. Oh, no. Is that correct? I have not. Okay. I made that decision year one. I wanted, I wanted to make sure things were going that the idea wasn't necessarily the hug thing, obviously at first. So year one, the idea was 
there's so many moving parts. Even when we just had a hundred people, I, I want to make sure everything goes exactly right. I want to sure. take care of things that they need taken care of. I want to be at the halfway. I want to see people. I want to watch everyone cross the finish line and be yeah. there. Um, Chris Scogan from Almanzo 100. Uh, are you familiar with, with Chris and Almanzo? Um, enlighten me. So Chris started Almanzo, um, up in Springdale, spring, I think it's Springdale. I can't remember, but Minnesota okay. spring, spring Valley and, uh, hundred mile race. They've got a 160, 160. Um, it's called the, the, the Royal. And now they have an almost 400 mile long Alexander. Oh yeah. And so Chris also, as far as I know, never, never, ever did the ride himself, but was always at the finish and shook everyone's hand. And I was not in any way trying to, to copy off of that, but his, his branding, um, his idea of, of, of community and connection and Uh human connection and pushing people to do things and, and what's possible. Um, Uh and doing it in a town called spring Valley, Minnesota, that's South of Minneapolis said, Nope, nobody, no one had ever heard of that town before. And Almanzo quickly became one of the biggest and most notable gravel events in the country. And I was paying attention to it big time by about 2009 and uh, huge inspiration. I finally got to meet Chris at a Frostbike event with QBP in 2013, the weekend before the first land run. And I got to tell Mm -hmm. him like, Hey man, like I'm doing this and, and you've been a huge inspiration. And Mark Stevenson, obviously with trans Iowa. And I mean, the list goes on and, what I did sure. want to say earlier too about partnering, partnering or not partnering, but you know, um, leaning on Dirty Kanza and Jim Cummins and Leland and Tim and Christy, mm-hmm. I pitched the idea to them after you know we got all the branding, we had the the route and the Facebook page, and I reached out immediately to Jim and immediately to Mark Stevenson because he had twenty nine inches dot com and and uh, his blog spot, and now it's all turned into ridinggravel dot com. But at the time, mm-hmm. it was it was different, and it was just like Guitar Ted Productions and. All of that yeah. and immediately, dude, they were like, yes, you know, Jim, Jim was like, you know, I don't do this for a lot of events, but man, I'll, I'll, I'll send this out to our entire email blast and tell them, Hey, this is a great precursor if you're training for dirty Kansas. And so man, yeah. w- without, without any sort of convincing Jim and Mark, man, I, I, I remember hitting go on the Facebook page with the logo that we have now. Mm-hmm. And I liked it myself and then shared it. And then Mark and Jim did the same thing. And man, I, I stayed up all night <laughs> at night. <laughs> and, yeah. Just hitting refresh. It's like, Oh man, it was amazing. Yeah. We're Laura and I are very lucky to be in the same place. And that's, that's been something that has definitely come out of the woodwork. Uh, Isn't it fun? Exposing itself. Just how connected the, the overarching community is the folks who are putting on the races. Um, People like Peter Vollers at Vermont Overland or or Heidi and Anthony who have Rasputitsa here. Oh yeah, uh, they're wonderful. It's such a collective, upbeat, positive nature. I mean, it's funny talking to, to both those entities that I was just talking about because like they are, especially on the the uh, tales of Landrun, they're so stoked for your event. They've never experienced it. They haven't been out there, but they see the the excitement, the early season energy. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Landrun is like the first big national caliber gravel race of the year. So that was by they're stoked. Pure accident, pure accident. And so beautiful. I can't believe it. I'm, I'm honored that you are saying that, man. It's so cool. Well, you got something freaking cool going on. So, okay. Along the same lines, how many DKs have you done? Um, okay. So 2012. Uh So we'd moved here late 11 and then man opening the shop and all that. And crystal 
was just like, you've always wanted to do it. You couldn't do it because you were working at the shop or we were working on our house in Emporia. So, and we just been volunteering or, you know, like support crew or whatever since 08. And, um, she's like, get it done. Let's do it. And so I was doing two a days. (laughs) I was doing 35 miles, 40 miles in the morning before the shop opened, (laughs) working all day and then doing it again at night. Oh man. It was wild. It was wild. I weighed like 125 pounds at the time, which was so sweet. Oh, yeah, yeah. I know, man. I weigh like 158 now. That's great. Yeah, that is lean. That's like rock star lean. It was wild. It was, I had, I, I could fit in any of Crystal's jeans. It was really great. That's hilarious. <laughs> Not the case That's, anymore. Being six foot two myself, I cannot ever fit into large right. pants. So that's a good thing. Um, but yeah, so then I did DK uh, 2012, yeah. 16 yeah. hours, seven minutes. Um, then 2013 crystal had just had Elliot in January. And so I asked Jim if we could just, we had just gotten a prototype salsa Fargo tandem that became the powder keg. And so we were like, Hey, let's ride a tandem, even though we'd never ridden the bike before ever. Hmm. And so we hopped on it and we just did the first half of the hundred that year. And dude, it was so windy. 2013 was wild, wildly windy. Oh my gosh, we made it into the halfway and, and the people were trying to keep, get us to keep going, even though we'd fully planned on just doing that. And, you know, Crystal was like, Crystal was breastfeeding at the time. And so like, we needed to get off the bike. Like it, it we, Elliot was there at the halfway and, and that's what we needed to do. So anyway, uh, 2014, we decided to come back and do it on the tandem, do the full. And so we did that and that was my best finish time ever. So together we did it in 1547 and it was by far the funnest day (laughs) of our of our entire marriage it was so much fun dude oh man that's (laughs) have you guys done anything tandem no no again being six foot two and laura's five and a half feet tall like it's difficult (laughs) to find a bike and i'm perfectly happy not searching out that tandem that's going to suit our our geometric needs so no i hats off to you my friend that's incredible it was cool it's (laughs) not harder and it's not easier. I don't know how to even explain it, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, just feeling responsible for another human being and doing 40 plus miles an hour in the Flint Hills on downhills was surreal. Surreal. So then Crystal did it 2015 single speed, the mud year and crushed it. Yeah. Um, and then 2016 was the year I was going to do the tour divide and we did. And then I was like, I'm racing the sun. We're doing the divide and do we, we laid it down. That was the fastest 50 miles I've ever done. It's like 240 mm-hmm. something. Oh. And I'm not fast, dude, but we had a tailwind and we were in groups nice. and it was muddy and everyone was freaking out because that little storm. What was your first year there? Uh 16. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that all the just the everyone's bikes were breaking in that first section? Yeah. And I mean, I make it through in a relatively early wave. Even then we're watching people tear their derailers off and you just know, yeah. like it's eyes forward, pay attention to what's ahead of you. And yes. you just, you know, and hear, and you don't want to turn around to witness the carnage behind you. Yeah. So I was right behind probably you by like maybe a hundred or so people. And I, uh-huh. I, I felt like I was riding through a, a line, a lined road of spectators, but it wasn't, sure. it was just people with broken dreams and we weren't even yeah. five, eight, five, six miles in. It ended up being a beautiful day. Oh, it was, uh, it was literally. Oh, and furthermore, what, what made it memorable and horrific at the same time is if you had woken up at 3am 
and witness this absolute deluge of a storm. It's similar. It's exactly what you're talking about with these thin, th- thin strips of thunderstorms coming through. If you turned your phone on, it said that it's a perfectly clear night and there's no precipitation. I know. Zero precipitation. And then if you look out the window, there is a river going down the road. Yeah. And it's like, so I was oh sleeping. my Lord. We were sleeping in our, in our Westie, in our van. Yeah. And so we were outside of Rick Becker's house where they always have that, the breakfast on Friday. And, uh, dude, it, this, that tiny little storm, that supercell just came mm-hmm. in from nowhere, out of nowhere and woke us up. Yeah. I mean, woke us up in the middle of the night and I was like, oh man, things are going to get crazy. Trouble. Gonna yeah. be crazy. But so then anyway, long story short, 2017, Thomas Adams, fixed gear rider from here in, in Stillwater, wrecked on the backside of Texaco. And uh, I was the third person on the scene because we were actually racing each other, me, Seth, and him. And yeah. uh, his chain fell off on the backside of Texaco, and we had that huge tailwind. And yeah. he tried to stick yeah. his foot in his, in his tire and stuck his foot in his wheel, and then <gasps> his face hit the ground, not his helmet. And we ended up calling Life Flight and uh, stayed with him for like an hour and a half. Uh, it was horrible. It was horrible. And so yeah. then the, he said two things before he got in the helicopter, his name. And then he told Seth and I had to finish the ride. <laughs> oh, man. I was pretty pissed at him for that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So then we got on our bikes and our whole crew, a whole, whole district crew had all caught up with us at that point. Okay. And we rolled into the next checkpoint together. And then Seth and I just, just kept rolling. And so that was actually my slowest finish time was like 17 and a half hours. And then we uh, got in an RV the next day and drove to Canada and to do the divide. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Because that's how you do it. That's how you roll. And then, you know, why not throw in a DKXL? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So then 17 uh, support crew. I just did support crew for everybody for the, or like, we had like 15 or so people from district. And I love doing that, man. I will do that forever mm-hmm. from now on, sure. probably. And then, then I, I, I was dead set 2018 to not race DK. I was like, I'm just doing support. I want to take care yeah. of our people. I want to have the sickest stops at every town. And then I got the email from Jim and I was like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, it's such a great concept. It's so, incredible. So yeah, that was not in the note. Uh, what that was the first year of DKXL 350 miles. Yes. Uh, with a very noteworthy 34 people invitation only taking the start line, uh, yeah. in honor of the 34 people who had done the initial DK. It was Gnarly. beautiful, beautiful yeah. hundred degrees in the alley when we started, I think. Yeah, yeah. It was so crazy. It was crazy. And we had two was, thunderstorms hit us. I mean, that's a whole nother conversation. Sure. <laughs> we'll save it for another time. Yep. Um I love your rules. Well, of of note, number one rule of land run one hundred, don't be lame. Yes. That's freaking awesome. Um, have you ever had to to apply that rule? Have you ever had to ask folks to excuse me, you're you're violating the lame rule? We have had some concerns, not okay. many. I mean, I'm saying less than, less than you could count on one hand, like three, okay. maybe three, um, one year, Bob Cummings, uh, and Rob Bell came in the finish line shoot backwards cause they got turned around downtown. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, that's not lame. That's awesome. Yeah, so we ripped his, we were like, we were just like, get his Garmin. Yeah. Check out his, his Strava or whatever. And, and so of course they added like seven miles or something in town trying to find downtown. And, uh, so funny, so funny. So anyway, we have obviously still, they still won. And, um, so that was, that was your Bob one, but, uh, 
Yeah. You know, there's been, there's just been a few questionable things, but most of the time people are really, really, really respectful whenever you give them, I, I wouldn't say that less rules give, give people more reason to, to uphold and honor Mm -hmm. the said rules or that more rules will give people more, more structure and and everyone will feel better about it. But Mm -hmm. to to me, it's just never been about, it's never been about checks and balances. You know, it's never been about like these specifics of who's doing what and why. And, and, and we're going to be this, this overlording looking down at like who's making mistakes or or, 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 you know, X, Y, and Z. It's been way more about the experience and the connection with the land, with, with yes. within people and within themselves, with the community around them, with, with music, with beer, with friendship, with love, with family, with community. It's just, it's much, much more. Land Run is much, much more about all of those things. Uh-huh. And you pepper in a race on top of that. And the stoke level, I think, just goes through the roof. Yeah. So I just want to keep the rules at, at a bay, at, at a minimum. That's freaking killer um we're laura and i are impressed with how many people are are reaching out with very astute questions what kind of bike should i ride is it a gravel race is it a, could you get by on a road bike is it yeah how wide of a tire do i need a mountain bike tire i mean so largely technical questions and then outside of that they're very curious about the course itself which lends itself to answering the questions about the gear and we try to take time to answer each each question sincerely, but at the end of the day, I want to answer in a z- similar vein, like, just show up, man. Yeah. Show up, boy, girl, child, parent, kid, anybody, yeah. like, bring bring your bike. Run with We're your We're here run. to have a good time. Like Exactly. You know, you're racing for for no no dollars. You're racing for the beer afterwards. You're racing for the party afterwards, the 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 vibe in the community, and sure, like leave it all out there on the course, but then come back for the party afterward. So, and you guys did that, man. Like every time I turned around and I saw you or, or Payson or Andrew or Amanda or Christy Moan and everyone was just ha- hang. I mean, it's just like hanging at the finish line, hanging at the finish tent. And, yeah. and man, I can't tell you how much that means to me and to everybody here. I mean, you just no, don't it's... see that often. And it was amazing. That's been the, it's been that community. And it's funny because community has become sort of this hackneyed word for the for the world of cycling. But the reality is like there's no better word for it. There isn't. Um, and districts is a synonym yeah. for community. And I, I almost every time I get a chance to say it, I say it. But that's why I picked the name that's why we picked the name district for the bike shop. There was no there was no district or there was there was no area in town that we could name it after. And mm-hmm. and so we were just like, well, we're gonna create our own district and let's just call it district bicycles. And actually for, for this is going to be great because I'm going to try and use one of my little sound bites again, but the original name and the original, uh, business plan was not district bicycles. It was bike love. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> this is the funnest thing ever. <laughs> oh man. <Your> child. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I just got a new, like erector set or like Gran Turismo on PlayStation when I was, Oh, uh, totally. Oh yeah, man. Yeah, so, yeah. No, it, it's, so we, 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 you know, we, we really thought that over a lot and, and with, uh, some nudging from, from actually Corey, who was our landlord, he was just like, I don't think bike love is going to fly here. And I was like, you don't get it. It's going to be like urban outfitters branding and clean and beautiful and, and just it. And then 
I was like, damn, damn it. He's right. Like, let's, yeah. let's do something else. And, and, uh, the first week after we had our t-shirt sales of uh, Corey came in, he's like, Hey, where's my royalty check? And I was like, what are you talking about? I paid rent, man. <laughs> and he said, dude, those t-shirts selling like hotcakes. Everyone's wearing them all over town. And that's because of me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, brutal. You're like, well, yep, yep, yep. I'll pay homage. Here's your t-shirt and go away. Yep. Yep. Um, okay. I feel like we could talk for another six or seven hours uninterrupted. However, we could, I need to get going. I believe, I mean, you've got a shop and life to run. So so I'm going to let you get going. I want to finish with three questions, which are as follows. I'm going to ask them in order. You can answer them in order. Perfect. Favorite place to ride a bike. The number one place you would like to ride a bike that you have not ridden in bike and with whom alive or otherwise, would you like to ride a bike? Oh man. Oh man. That is such a great question. Okay. My favorite place. This is no joke. And people that know me know this is true and it's kind of bougie and it's, it's, but it's truly my heart and soul. And it's my, my favorite place to ride a bike is Crested Butte, Colorado. Ooh, great answer. Thank you. It, so we've been gifted, we've been gifted access to that town through a few customers here that have property and f- some okay. friends as well. Um, yeah. and I mean, I, I just don't, otherwise, man, it just wouldn't, it just wouldn't be viable. You know, otherwise we'd be just tent camping and, and we wouldn't be able to really experience town and, and all the festivals, things that are going on. We, we stumbled upon it in, in 2012, um, mm-hmm. and, a, a really, really good customer and, and friend, uh, Rick Younger's here in town. He's a dentist. He's had a place there since the nineties and we went and stayed and it was fat tire week at the end of June. Have you mm-hmm. ever been during fat tire festival or mountain bike and negative towny fat dude, you gotta go. They've got a, yeah. they've got a chainless race from the top of Kebler pass all the way down to oh. town. So it's chainless breakless if you so choose. So it used Whoa. to be like coasters only, right? So you uh-huh. took the chain off a coaster brake bike and you had, you didn't have brakes. Sure. And it used to be like people were in the nude and I mean, people were raging and now it's become definitely more, more family friendly. For mm-hmm. better or worse, whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, dude, mm-hmm. they've got tires and tires all on the last turn into downtown into the main drag on Elk Avenue. They've got hay bales and tires. And so dudes or girls and, and anybody that didn't, didn't have brakes that can't make the turn, man, we've watched some major spills. <laughs> <laughs> but most people uh, run with a brake uh, with no chain. Yeah. Um, so okay. that's going on. They've got the, um, they've got the, the, oh man, the fat 40 or whatever it is. And it's just a wild 40 mile, 7,000 feet of climbing you know, you're starting at 9,000 feet and it's just the the coolest thing. So the mountain bike race is going and there's just tons of festivities. It's always at the, like the last weekend in June. And that's our, our anniversary too. Crystal and I have been married almost Perfect. 12 years in June. And so we nice. just try and go to Crested Butte yeah. and man, it's, it's funny because we love to travel and we've never been the type to go to the same place, but that's exactly what keeps happening. Mm-hmm. So yeah, anyway, yeah, Crested Butte, yeah, Colorado. I hear you. Incredible. Sorry, I know you got to go. I'm sorry. So, um, okay. <laughs> so favorite place to ride. And then what was the second question? Uh, what is the number one place you, you are jonesing to go ride a bike that you've never, never ridden? Alaska. Ooh. Alaska. And you just I, came back from there, right? Uh, we came back from Northern Canada. Northern Canada. So that's right. Our trip. Yeah. We were on the, so up by the Hudson Bay. This is the James Bay descent. Um, and soon after finishing that, uh, the, what I call the, I did a bike kicked off. Yep. So yeah, hats yeah. off to those 
crazies. Yeah. Um, it, it's been in the back of my head. I'm, 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 I've become really good friends with Jay Peterberry. He's been trying to get yeah. me to come do the fat pursuit in Idaho. I've done the gravel pursuit there twice and it's yeah. unbelievable. Sure. Um, yeah. He's nuts and he's awesome. Yeah. And he's a, he's a monster on a bike. And he's, he's also made me really want to go check out Kyrgyzstan. So that's, that's on mm. the short list. Um, okay. next Thursday, I'm actually, I'm sorry, next Friday, next a week from today, I, I do a fly out from Chicago to Denmark for the dirty Jutland XL. Oh, I remember you telling me about that. Yeah. That, so that I've, sounds burly. I've never been over the pond ever. I've uh-huh. only been to Canada for the divide. That's the only international place I've been. So this is the beginning of, of, what I hope are many trips over there and sure. And yeah, so I, I, I can't wait to see Scandinavia and, and hopefully it's not raining and 40 degrees uh-huh. as, as it is this week <laughs> up there. Exactly. Um, and then, okay. Person that I would want to ride with the most bingo dead or alive. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, so I'm, I'm actually still kind of a huge baseball nut. Uh, I don't watch it anymore and, and I don't play anymore, but it was such a huge part of, of my existence growing up. And, uh, my, my, my go-to hero was, uh, Chicago Cubs, second baseman, number 23, Ryan Sandberg. Yes, dude. He was a legend. The legend. He is the man. Him, Uh dude, Mark Grace. Oh man. Wait, we can just, I don't know. We don't have time, but Okay. No, I would, I would love to be able to ride a bike with Ryan and uh-huh. say, Hey man, like you, you gave me hope that I could do something like what you're doing someday and, yeah. and just, just share some miles with him and just tell him how incredible and how upstanding and, and just what, what an amazing dude I, I think he is. Brilliant. Yeah. So uh, great answer. Either great him answer. or Kirby Puckett. I don't know. Kirby Puckett yeah. be a close second. Yeah. 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 Oh man. All good answers. Yeah. I, well, I won't, no, I, I want to ask not, you, I want to ask you, I want to ask you three questions too, that are actually not cycling related at all. And I, but maybe we should, maybe we should do another episode where, cause I have a bunch of questions for you too. And I would love to hear your side of, <laughs> of the race and of, you know, just chat a little bit, but actually, but before we, we get off, tell me this uh-huh. as a kid, what was the, what was, okay, for me, movies and music, it's huge. So what was the movie that you would watch as a kid mm-hmm. that you so closely identified with the lead character that you put yourself in those shoes and it inspired you beyond all means? Oh, that's a doozy. Uh, the first movie, if I'm purely thinking of movies that I watched tirelessly as a kid. Yes. Well, dumb and dumber, but that was a little bit later. Uh, I'm and, and I'm like embarrassed by this answer. Under siege, and I wanted to be. Uh, uh, oh my lord! Now I can't think of his name. Oh yeah, no, I know exactly who you're talking about. He's like the bat. He's like the the Sean Connery, stoic. Right? No, no, it's not Sean. Ah, uh, it's it's ah oh, shit! I gotta Google it right now. It's like the the stoic Bruce Willis. This guy was so. Okay, hold on. Under, I got right, I've got it right here. I'm pulling it up. Under siege. Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal. <laughs> he's he's an ex Navy SEAL who's actually a chef, and then the, the the ship gets taken over, and he was he was just the man. Ah uh, man. Yes. Uh, I would go with. It's a terrible answer. It's not inspiring. Like I didn't become a chef slash Navy SEAL. No. Um. But so the, we'll go with that. The the leadership qualities though I think are yeah. things that pulled it and uh yeah. Totes. But, yeah. Anyway. 
I wanted to know that answer. That's a great okay. answer. I love it. Um, yo, I need to get going. You need to get going. Yep. But yes, I'm absolutely down with with linking up again, doing another one of these. This is the first podcast I've ever done over uh, uh, digital technology. So this yeah. is fantastic. It's, it's been so cool. Seamless. Very much appreciated. Yeah, Olin at Waypoint Studios, downtown Stillwater. Thanks for overnighting this beautiful piece of equipment so we can make this happen. Holler to Olin. Yeah. Man. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for being here, dude. Thanks for... Thanks for doing everything that you've done for the the world of gravel and the and and dirt road riding and and your transition into this this space. It's it's incredible and I and I, I just can't believe you're here in Stillwater doing land run and and I'm just I'm grateful, man. I I loved it. It was so cool. It means a lot, Bobby. I appreciate it. Um, we'll be talking and we'll record one of these conversations again. That sounds great, man. Have cool, dude. One. You as well. All right, peace. Ciao. Hey folks, thanks very much for tuning in and being part of this King of the Ride community. It means so much to me, so please know that that thank you is sincere. I am also very excited that now that the 2019 season is underway, I'm going to be traveling a lot and putting the mic in hands of friendly folks like Bobby and countless others who appreciate the value of the bicycle to the greater world. If you have any recommendations for for potential guests or folks you think that would be interesting king of the ride guests please please send them my way at all things i am ted king lastly i want to thank icor again for supporting today's episode icor is a clean natural source of recovery enhancing hemp extract they design their products with athletes in mind and their goal is to protect your body from the stresses of training improve recovery from intense efforts and maintain a positive mental state Icor nerds out on science to deliver the most bioavailable product you can get. This is the highest quality, most effective hemp extract product available. Both Icor and I want to help you get a bottle. Head over to IcorLabs.com, I-K-O-R-L-A-B-S.com, and save 15% by using the code King of the Ride at checkout. That's all one word, King of the Ride. That is it for me. Thanks very much for listening. As always, please enjoy the ride.